Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. And this is episode 33. Our special guest is Carol Linden. And the title today is, Are You Playing Well Together with Adults? Understanding Our Differences in Order to Be More Effective. Are you naive enough to think that other people communicate the same way you do? Are you struggling to understand and navigate the communication gaps that happen within your team? Do you want some practical tools to help you lead better, grow revenue, and build better team relationships? Well, that's what we're here for today. Our special guest, Carol Lind, is going to answer these questions and many more as we explore what Carol calls teaching adults to play well together. Carol's a teacher, coach, speaker, and the founder of Effective with People that helps leaders, managers, and team members understand personality differences, enhance their communications, build trust, there it is, that trust word, and improve everyday effectiveness. Listen in as Carol shares some of her unique insights, perspectives, and most important, tools for understanding differences in order to transform your team and your business. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Welcome back to the Impact Leadership Podcast. I am thrilled today to have one of my good long-term friends, Carol Linden, with us today. She has been my leadership coach in the past in one of my startups, and she has just been a constant friend over the years who has provided guidance and insights into how I can better connect with other people. She is a Myers-Briggs master practitioner, and she really has an affinity towards the techie, po- techie folks, excuse me, not techie folks, <laughs> the techie folks and helping them to understand how to connect with each other. So welcome, Carol. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you, Craig. I love that intro. I appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, Carol. I, I got to tell you, the one thing I got to repeat, Craig, or talk about is I love this piece about teaching adults how to play well together. Oh, yes. <laughs> you really think that's necessary? Come on, Carol. Adults are adults. They got to figure it out. I think we forget how to play together. That's the, that's the problem. Uh, yeah, and because of our natural and born biases, we certainly don't naturally play well with all sorts of types of people. So, uh, Jeff, most of the time when somebody, I tell somebody what I do, they go, oh, we really need you where I work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oftentimes we look at people that are different from us and say, wow, they're different from us, and therefore I don't, I don't want to have that connection. But I think as we have discovered a lot in both of our, our podcasting and a lot of the books we've been reading and everything else, diversity is one of those things that Jeff and I have really grasped onto and said, you know, we need more of this. We want to be intentional about this, not just kind of let it happen. So anyway, all that said, Carol, we would love to know how you got to where you are, because I know that you have a pretty interesting past with training and a quite a few other things, but I'd like to hear your story from your perspective. Well, that, um, I'll be happy to do that. I wasn't expecting this, but I'm glad to do this. I love the story. I'm glad you're interested. 
I didn't start my career this way. I was a technical writer at a computer software company. I was right out of graduate school. I was just ex delighted somebody wanted to pay me money to write <laughs> for a living. I mean, how cool is that? That's what I did best was write. So I was a technical writer. And then I, you know, I have a natural affinity for people and I end up leading teams. And I'd be in a room with a cross-functional team. And you know the IT world, Craig. Oh, yeah. People from different departments, very different skill sets, communication styles. So I'm in a room with my, you know, friendly get things going self from documentation development and they're writers and then there's uh, uh, com uh, programmers, de high level developers, systems people, there's tech support, there's QA, there's internal testing and even QA and internal testing are different. So I'm sitting in this room and inside my head I'm going, oh, these people are so different and if I don't get them talking to each other, I am so sunk. We will never get a usable document out of this. So I decided I had to go teach myself. So I went and took all, all these classes and things I could get my hands on. And then I discovered psychological type and temperament and interaction styles. And all these light bulbs went off. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I got it how these people were different and how I needed to facilitate things and speak to them. And then I ended up creating my dream career, which is teaching adults how to play well with others. But <laughs> I didn't consciously start out to get where I am. It was like part of the magic of life. I was a manager at a software company. I was just trying to survive and get my job done, Craig. I ended up <laughs> discovering the love of my life, which is helping people communicate and uh, be more successful with each other. Well, that's awesome. And you do such a good job of it. I know that in, in our company, this is back to TribeSpring, you were able to help us to be able to communicate more effectively together even though we had, you know, very, very different personalities. Oh, yeah. And I remember one time in particular, in fact, I think I've mentioned it on this, on this podcast that I was saying, you know, somebody had said something, they were trying to say, Hey, let's do this. And I said, no. And you said, wait, wait, Craig, um, they don't know that you've already thought through this. <laughs> and so you, you helped to expose one of my blind spots there of, you know, I, I'm just because I've thought through it doesn't mean that everybody else has. And so and I really appreciate you, that. And since you brought this up, I can share. And your, your style of decision-making is analytical thinking to understand. Mm -hmm. And we don't tend to say that out loud. That happens in your head. So you say, no, blah, blah, blah. But they can't see what happened in your head. <laughs> right. so, so you did a great thing. So sometimes saying out loud what's happening in your head. And one of the reasons you don't think to do that is because of your preferences. You think, well, it's so obvious. It's insulting their intelligence to say, state the obvious. Well, other people can't see the path you took in their head. So, no, it's not insulting them. It's helping to see your path. So, oh, thank yeah. you for having that, that positive memory of us. I love it. <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a big change. I think back to that a lot when I am thinking about saying no to somebody. <laughs> I have to analyze now and, you know, process that. So, you know, Jeff now gets the the benefit of understanding that part of me as well. <laughs> oh yeah. I knew you have told that story. I know, I know who it was. Okay. Yes. It was, it was Carol. She's, she's my blind spot exposer. <laughs> Let's say I'm people's blind spot helper. There you go. <laughs> yes. So I, one of the things that I love about what you do when you're helping people play well together is that you help people to value the differences and mm -hmm. to be able to, create a, a collaborative success. Tell us a little bit more about that and you know, kind of how, how you approach that. Absolutely. What 
very natural is for us to just think everybody thinks the way we think. So we <laughs> natural, right, duh. So Why we don't naturally, they? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, if you think that I've got bad news for you today here, dear, just hold on. So we naturally, until we're taught there are differences and taught a language to understand the differences, when we open our mouths, we're just talking to ourselves. And then we don't understand why that didn't convince somebody who thinks very differently from us. So understanding the differences helps us be more effective and it makes life less frustrating when we realize we have to shift and speak almost another language sometimes to be effective with other people. Well, that is so true. And the second point about that is it is naturally frustrating. These differences in the long run help us make, I mean, there's a lot of research around this. They help us make better, more robust decisions. Mm -hmm. And a team that has multiple perspectives is less likely to get blindsided mm -hmm. by the two by four of a team that did group think <laughs> and that none of them saw the train because none of them was looking by, back here where the train right. was coming from. It's hard to do personally, but we, we can do it. We just have to rise up, step up, step up to do it. And the third thing is it, it is naturally hard, and there is a natural reaction. And there are three tenets of emotional intelligence that come to play here. One, the first one is awareness, mm -hmm. like awareness of what's going on inside you when you're starting to get irritated because these idiots are just not seeing it your way. And the I've second, never experienced that. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. None of us have ever thought that. I'm certainly going <laughs> no. to evolve for that. So the second tenet of it is awareness of self. Awareness of that thing rising up in you that's yeah. about to make you open your mouth and, and just set everything <laughs> on fire, right? And the third point is awareness of your impact on others. We need to get it that rolling our eyes and making that face and looking like they're idiots, that all of that is having a very negative impact on others. And yes. from a leader's perspective, that is discouraging other people from speaking up. So oh, if what you're yeah. doing unconsciously is discouraging other people from speaking up, you've already handicapped the team because now your business is not going to get the best of the thinking. You may have hired the best thinking at, at your table. If you're doing things to discourage them from speaking up, you're not going to get the value of that because they're not going to bring it forth because you just bit their head off. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that Jeff and I talk a lot about is intentional and unintentional impact. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because that is something in my leadership development that's probably in my top three in terms of that, that, that unintended impact that people have constantly is a bigger issue than what they're intending. Oh. They're saying, I got to get better at my intentional impact. I said, no, you need to get better at less unintended impact because <laughs> you're saying this, but you're impacting this and you're, you're killing it. You're, you're killing trust. You're killing connection. You're killing relationship. And it's all those, it's unconscious, yeah. but it can be brought into the conscious. Mm -hmm. Well said. And that's that first step is awareness of self. Yeah. Absolutely. Well I said, think, Jeff. I think that's where people really need people like, like both of you to step into that room and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to raise my hand here and say, hey, um, do you realize what's going on here? You know, Jeff has talked about several issues where he had to just kind of respond in kind to this other mm -hmm. person. And they were like, what, what are you doing? The hand. It was the hand. Holding up the mirror, you would call, I'd call that holding That's up the right. mirror. Jeff was doing what a good coach does. That's right. <laughs> when, you're, when you're looking at teams and you're helping them to get connected um, and to understand how each one is thinking differently, 
what are some of the things that you go through? Because I'll, I'll just share a quick story about we had a PhD hired into the company who was a Myers-Briggs expert. He came into our, our IT team. He helped us realize how we were different. And then, then one of my guys said, oh, Craig, that's why you and I have these issues. I'm yeah. like, yes, that's it. And that's why you should just listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was working with an IT group once and I was explaining probably what you're giving example of here. One person did um, analyzing to execute. So they, their quest in this happened, of course, to be the manager. So all his questions were about, well, when can this be done? And have you got this planned out? And what are the commitments? Well, the, the other guy, the guy on the team who was supposed to be executing it, he hadn't, he did analyzing to understand. And if that's your modus of operandi, then you cannot take a step forward until that model in your head clicks in place. Okay. And this is your preference, Craig. So, I mean, you've shared with me, this is your, pre you build the model in your head. Well, so the manager is trying to say, you know, get commitments and dates and the other person, the model isn't working yet. Mm -hmm. And as a manager, you don't even want that person moving forward until that model works because the model is their North star. Yeah. That's what helps that person move forward competently and effectively. Hmm. So the manager says, is asking for commitment to these states, and the person who does analyzing and understands going, yeah, yeah, but. So how does the manager translate that? Not a team player, resistant, <laughs> won't get on board, won't commit. So I'm, I'm explaining this, and two guys in the front row turn and look at each other and burst out laughing. <laughs> and his name was John. I said, John, what, you know, I, what, I'm funny sometimes, but I was not trying to be funny then, really. I, I was being deadly earnest then, explaining the model. And I said, John, what's funny? And he said, Chris and I here have been having that exact conversation for about three years. <laughs> and the, it was an intact team, and the whole room died laughing because they'd all witnessed this interaction yeah. for three years. <laughs> so it, it's not, this is not just heady stuff for me. You can actually see this in action and help people get more effective. They don't have to memorize the model or all the terms, but you can help them realize that things are holding them back. This making space for differences, this is not just about being nice or warm and fuzzy or accepting. This is really about being more effective and doing things that more safeguard the business because multiple perspectives and multiple sets of talents are what help move the business forward, not mm -hmm. just one perspective. Right. And one of these is a famous person, Walt Disney. <laughs> not everybody knows what Walt's famous for. Not many people know the name Roy Disney. Well, Walt Disney was the big picture idea guy. And, and thank heavens for that. Look at all the amazing things Walt Disney created. Incredible visionary. Well, exactly, he was the visionary. Well, what Walt did when he was starting his company, he picked up the phone and he called Roy. People used phones back then, okay? So he, <laughs> he picked up the phone and called Roy. And Roy was his older brother. And Roy was a finance guy. He mm. was a banking industry guy. And Roy talked, Walt talked Roy into leaving his highly prosperous banking industry job to come be his finance guy for, for mm. Disney. And Walt, well, Walt had one advantage over the rest of us. This was his brother who he knew, loved, and trusted, right? Yes. Huge. The other advantage, but the advantage we can all also use is Roy was a totally different person. Mm -hmm. He was introverted. He was methodical. He was the numbers guy. 
But look how perfect that is. Walt had the vision and the openness to realize, I don't need another me in this business. I need yeah. Roy because that stuff bores the daylights out of me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but thanks to Roy, thanks to Roy and his differences, and thanks to Walt's openness to bringing those differences on board. Those are two important points. Because of that, all of Roy's ideas had money flow. They had logistics done. They had all the things done that needed to materialize all these great ideas. So it can be about building something amazing and being incredibly successful. It's not just about being nice to recognize, <laughs> you know, to let the other person be different, but to welcome the differences on board. Well, Kara, one thing I'm curious about, about differences, and you talk about valuing them. My experience is that most leaders talk a good game about difference. <laughs> They'll say, I, I want diversity here. And not just the traditional diversity. All, I want a, you know, a melting pot in my company. But the outcome is often not there. Yeah. What, what do you think happens with that? What gets in the way? First place, it's easy to, to talk the talk and a whole lot harder to walk the walk. <laughs> and let's face it, it's fashionable now. What leadership team hasn't put out something about how we value diversity? But if you look at the numbers and leadership in corporate America, that doesn't say anything about value and diversity. Yeah. First of all, it's, it's, it gets in the way initially. I, I don't mean to say something politically incorrect, but it's harder initially to get things done with the multiple perspectives and diversity. It doesn't look efficient. If everybody thinks the same way, you can go boom, boom, boom. And let's face it, Jeff, most of the people you're dealing with who got to that level, they're people who make it go boom, boom, boom. Yep. And having to stop and talk it out and and see the multiple perspectives, that takes personal development, that takes awareness, that takes patience, that takes something that somebody like you can help them through their own development do. One of the most important things a leader can do is develop themselves and develop their leadership team. Because mm -hmm. guys, we don't come to the planet having all this openness of mind and valuing <laughs> the differences. We come right. with our own perspective and wondering why the other person doesn't see it like we do. So what are some of the things, Carol, you, when you're talking to a leader or talking to a team, they've got these, some blind spots. What are some of the core things? Where do you start with them to help them really start to value differences? First thing I tend to do is I bring in a model, a social styles model called interaction styles, because it's, it's not threatening. It talks about behavior. It talks about how you like to be communicated with, Mm -hmm. and how you like to naturally go about doing things. Nothing in that is, is uh, threatening. Nothing of that feels exposed. These are all natural, healthy ways of being. And there are four patterns. And four patterns are really easy to get a handle on. And when I teach interaction styles, the group goes, oh, yeah, they, they get it. Working adults always get exactly. So they can move into application immediately. And people recognize, like Craig said, when he, he and someone else he was working with recognized what was happening there repeatedly, they recognized, oh, God, that's why so-and-so does it that way. Mm -hmm. And they realized it's not about being nice or warm and fuzzy. It's about if your job as leader is to get the best out of everybody and help make everyone effective. And if you understand how what you're doing a certain way, uh, there's, a, let's say, an in-charge leader who's boom, 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 and really charges ahead and makes decisions and moves quickly. And they've got a behind-the-scenes person who's quiet and introverted and needs a lot of time to process. 
if you go boom, boom, boom in that person's face, then they just freeze. <laughs> All processing just stops. And this is wiring, guys, okay? This is not somebody not just stepping up here. This is wiring. And as a leader, it's not helpful to shut that person down. In fact, that person has the attention to detail that they're, what they're doing quietly and behind the scenes is helping that you're, you're nodding, Craig, you're recognizing yeah, that's my wife. right? <laughs> that, that, yeah, yes, exactly. That person is quietly behind the scenes doing the things mm -hmm. that help the team be successful. They're not flashy about it. And right. statistics show that this is this personality style is the type least likely to be rewarded and be promoted and acknowledged in a work environment. So leaders have to go out of their way. Wow, that's a good look. point. Oh, yes. And those people are, are instrumental to yeah. keeping things afloat. So if leaders don't go, no, first of all, you teach them this model so they're aware of it. Second, you teach them ways how to behave toward this person to get the, bring their best forward, mm -hmm. to not shut them down, and frankly, to keep them around. Mm -hmm. If they're, you know, if they're valuable and, and what they're doing is helping your company, it doesn't help your company if good people leave. <laughs> and people don't leave a company. People leave a manager. Yep. People leave the environment and how they're treated there. It, it's not about money. It's about who you report to and about feeling like you're valued and what you contribute is, is appreciated. And you get to contribute to how just things are decided and what happens. Mm. Oh. <clears throat> I still struggle, Carol, hearing you say that. I absolutely see it myself. But I'm flashing back to the, the first business I started. We built a great team. And the people we prized the most were our support team because we knew that they made us better. And their job was different than ours. But when they did their job great, it made it easier for us. And I just, I sit here and go, how do people not see that? <laughs> right. I get, I get the heart, I get the difference, but I just, right. like, how do people not see that someone else is making them better and their job easier? Because I saw it, it was like, wow, that was awesome. You just took that off my desk. I don't have to do it now. <laughs> awesome. That felt great. Do it again. I, like, I literally <laughs> do it again. Let me watch you do it. Don't take it when I'm not here. Take it while I'm here. It feels better. I get to see it. Oh, <laughs> and that's, that's great awareness on your part. Not everybody has that. Sometimes people can be very stuck in their own pattern. If somebody whose pattern is go in, make a decision, move forward quickly, and if that's the only pattern that they see and value, then somebody doing something more slowly and methodically, mm -hmm. I mean, think about try to try to see it from their eyes. Boom, 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 make a decision, move on it, keep things moving forward, decide fast. So what if we have to decide something different tomorrow? That's fine. Let's just decide something and go. If that's the only pattern they see and they end well, then they have to be taught how to value something that looks very different. I mean, it's not, it's not an accident that this pattern we're talking about, the, the more slowly the behind the scenes gets undervalued because yeah. they're not... I mean, who does corporate culture tend to reward? The extroverts, the introverts? Extroverts. Yeah, because they're, you can see what they do. I mean, behind the scenes, quite literal. And, <laughs> and in, in defense of those managers who don't see it, I mean, great that you did, but in defense of the ones who don't, there's very little to be seen unless you look for it because mm -hmm. it's under the covers and behind the scenes what's supporting people. So my first, the first step 
when, when I work with people, I teach as little of theory as possible and then immediately go into application. That's how I work with individual leaders and that's how I work with their leadership team and the work teams. Because if you give people, first of all, you make them aware of their own preferences and therefore their own blind spots. You teach them what the other patterns look like and then you help, help them learn how to engage effectively the other types and in particular to see how what you're doing shuts down another type or turns off another type or makes another type think you're a flake. Because if, <laughs> if they think you're a flake, you're not going to be given things that are worthy of your talent. Right. But to not be thought a flake, you may have to do less boing, boing, boing idea stuff and breathe and center and slow <laughs> down. And, and I'm talking about my career path here. I'm yes. talking about, you know, ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> slow down and be more linear because I'm yeah. not naturally linear. Be linear. In other words, I had to learn to speak management's language. I, it changed my life in corporate America. Mm. I was very frustrated because I knew I could do more and wasn't getting it. And then I learned about temperaments and psychological type. And all of a sudden, it's like the scales fell off my eyes. <laughs> I went, oh, my God, they think I am bing, 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 bing. No wonder I look scary to them. <laughs> it's not helpful to frighten people above you in the food chain. I don't see so, how anybody could think of you as frightening. <laughs> well, if they're slow and methodical and I'm bing, 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 oh, okay. trust me, right. I was scary looking. <laughs> but I had to get that. I thought, I'm very competent. Why don't they say I'm competent? So I learned to slow down and center and speak in a more linear fashion because typically the people in charge in business think in a more linear fashion. And once I learned to do that, I got raises, I got promotions, boom, mm. boom, boom. I went from writer to in charge of my own project to team leader to department manager within a few years. Mm. But the best part, guys, wasn't the raises and promotions. It was that because I learned to speak their language, they started trusting me. Mm. And I oh, knew I so was good. competent, but I mm. needed to speak their language. So what they saw when they looked at me mm. was something they could recognize as confidence, competence and worthy of trust. So I got so one of the reasons I do what I do and want to work uh, with cohort groups of younger leaders and managers in, in corporate America, because they're not going to feel rewarded and get rewarding, challenging work until they learn to speak the language of the people in charge mm. so that they show up as competent and worthy as they are. Because the best reward of all is getting challenging, rewarding work. And that was my reward for learning how to speak their language. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. You said you teach. It's not up to them. It's up to me, yeah. which I love it because it's self-empowering and I'm not no more victim. I'm not waiting for them to change. So let me ask you this question. And you mentioned it about speed. So I did an assessment a number of years ago with the woman I was dating at the time. It wasn't Myers-Briggs, but it had some common elements. And what came out of it was that I am a very fast processor yeah. at yes. multiple levels, not just intellectually, 
but emotionally and all these things. She was a very slow processor. And one of the things that happened in our relationship, she said all the time, I feel like you're badgering me with questions because I would ask a question, she would answer it. And to me, if you've answered my question, it's time to go to the next question. (laughs) But she had answered it, but only at one level. And when we got done with that, I turned to the facilitator and I said, oh, you know what? I get it. I need to slow down. And my girlfriend said, well, no, that's not fair. Why do you have to do the work? And I said, simply because asking you to speed up is unrealistic. Because that's asking you to do something you can't do. But I can slow down because the, the nat- I'm just going the other way. And she finally said, oh, I get it. But so I'm asking about this for your work. You're trying to teach everybody. But when it comes to speed, not everybody can speed up but fast people can slow down more easily. That, that is true. Um, because there, this, is, this is wiring involved. I'm going to go to the social styles model again. Let's look at chart the course, which is, think about that as project management. You, you uh, plan the work and you work the plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to. Fail. There you go. Yeah. That classic project management thinking. That process by its own nature, has to take more time. Gather the details, make the plan, measures you go. That process, it doesn't work to speed up that process because that process doesn't speed up. The other, the behind-the-scenes process, that's an even slower, more organic process. And I want to be clear about this. It's not that they think more slowly. It's that they go out inside their head, if that makes sense, and they're gathering all this different input, and then they're integrating it. And they can't tell you what they've decided until it's integrated. And no, you can't speed up the integration. It, it takes time to integrate. One of my mentors for this lifetime is a behind-the-scenes analytical person, and she gathers all the things, and it, then it integrates. And when it integrates, it integrates. And so she wants to do something about the business, and she takes a day or so to integrate, and all of a sudden she knows. So then she goes to her husband, and she tells him, and then he's resistant and always got to think about this. And they're the same personality type. They're both behind the scenes. They're both. And then she, then she's impatient because he doesn't see it. <laughs> and she teaches this for a living, right? <laughs> so she, then she stops and she la- gets awareness and she laughs at herself. She said, he's just doing what I did three days ago. Yeah. And here I am getting frustrated because he's doing exactly what I did. So she talked to him sooner. Maybe they could have, you know, integrated together. Yeah, just trust me. <laughs> Right. But, but Jeff, you're right. Those, there are different processes and we have to respect those processes. What we can ask people to do is ask for what they need. Yes. For example, a behind this, uh, I, I had uh, a chart the course person in one of my classes and she had an ideas guy, boom, boom, boom manager. And she'd go in his office and he'd go, blah, 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 blah. And I want you to blow it. What do you think? And she'd say this. I thought this was brilliant. She'd say, Right now, I don't have the answer, but in two, two hours from now, I will have a great answer for you. And then, she, <laughs> and then she left his office, and he was a sharp enough guy to laugh at that and get it. So what she was doing is in a way that made him laugh and respect the differences. She was not the kind of person who could just, boom, it come out of her mouth, what we had to do. She really yeah. had to go off on her own and think about it for a while and do an introverted process. So she asked for what she needed so she could show up and be competent and put her best forward. And it was actually to his advantage for mm-hmm. her to ask for what she needed. And thank goodness he 
he, uh, he made space for that. So even if your process is slower, you can ask for what you need. The chart, one more example, the chart, the course person, the way they get in trouble with the fast uh, in-charge processors is they come in and start with the nitty-gritty details because that's where they live. What do you think nitty-gritty details do to a big-picture, high-flown conceptual, there you go, Craig, there you go. They, they drive me insane. There yes. you go. You either get bored or it drives you insane. So what I teach the chart, the course, uh, people whose styles naturally chart the course, what I teach them is never walk in that room with the details. You start with the big picture, the executive summary, the bottom line. You yep. start with the bottom line, and then you have all the details ready. And if that person needs to ask for details, you give them the ones they ask for because that's how you show up as competent. Right. But I can teach them. I don't teach them not to be chart the course. I just teach them how to communicate with someone who needs to start with the big picture. Hmm. You, you just yeah. described my first experience with any form of assessment in the late 90s with my first business, my law firm. I had a team member. He was brilliant, and we were really struggling didn't know why, and we took an assessment. I think it was actually a DISC assessment. Mm -hmm. And when we got done, and I looked at his, I looked at mine, and I said, his name was Dick. I said, Dick, I figured us out. He said, what? And I said, you're the detail guy. Yeah. You are, and you're going to look at every detail. Right. And when you bring me, all you do is you bring me step by step in the details. I don't care about the details. I just want the answer. Yeah. And I, here's what I said to him. It was kind of funny because I'm the boss. I said, you know what? I am sure now that through our conversations, you think I'm a word that starts with A and ends with Hall. And he goes, I would never think that. I said, oh, don't lie to me. I know you did. And I'm going to be honest. I thought you were an idiot. Like, why are you doing this? And then I told him just what you said. I said, from now on, right. you do all the details you want. Right. But when you come to me, I want this. And if I have questions, I will ask them our whole relationship changed. It was wow. like overnight because he goes, really? I go, really? And it was beautiful. And that's when, that was the moment I bought in to these assessments and said, yeah. this is amazing. That's the moment when I went through that experience. That was a moment where I totally bought into these tools because I saw how they worked and how quickly they worked yeah. once we just had some shared understanding. And now yeah. we both had to be willing to change but it really wasn't hard because I didn't have to change. He didn't really have to change. We just had to say where we're going to do it. Mm. You're going to do all your detail stuff in your office. Just don't bring it to me. But I think the, the important part there is, Jeff, many people would say, look, it's just not working. I'm going to go find somebody else. You at least had the forethought and the interest, the desire to hold on to somebody who was good and to say, I, I am willing to change what I look at or to expose maybe my misunderstanding about the situation and take this assessment. Well, that was very true because I do remember, yes, I was honest in saying there are times I thought he was an idiot, but I knew he wasn't. <laughs> and I was willing to say, look, this has got to be something on me. Yeah. And I did come from that perspective. There's got to be wow. something going on with me because he's a smart guy. Yeah. This has to be my thing because there's nothing wrong with him. And that's, that just, it allowed us to find it. But I think that's something that a lot of leaders are not going to necessarily do. They're not going to say, wow, you know, I'm going to start with the assumption that it's me that's the problem rather than 
it's everybody else's problem. And I think, I think that's one of the things that Carol and I talk about is, you know, it's, oh yeah, everybody else has the problem. I, I, yeah. if everybody thought like me, we'd be okay. <laughs> Jeff, I had, first of all, I, I agree with Craig, giving you credit. So many people would have their blinders on and just go, oh, that guy's just, as a, a as a marketing, as, a, as an in-charge marketing director once told me when, after he'd met with a bunch of PhD statisticians, he said, I'm sitting there in that conversation and I'm thinking, anytime you guys want to come out of the weeds and have a valuable conversation, I will <laughs> gladly re-enter. Now, thank you. Thank you. Now, thank goodness he did not say that out loud. <laughs> but the conversation he and I had made him, oh my God. I said, think about it. We pay them money to be that concerned about details. We, right. we need them. Uh, but you need to not be in those conversations. You need to come <laughs> yeah. in much later because he had no patience for that. As we look at the differences in people, how is it that we, we analyze, how do we, how do we step back and say, okay, there's something going on here. Clearly there's, there's a mismatch or miscommunication or something's going on. How do we assess that? First of all, it's recognized. Remember when I'd be in the room with your your startup, and I'd go, "Wait, time out, guys!" And I would say, "What I what I think what I think I'm hearing is," and then I'd say, "Did I get that right?" And usually, y'all would laugh because I had gotten it right. And the reason is, my ears are listening for patterns. Mm, okay. So as you know, like the coaching Jeff's talking about, we have we're listening for patterns, and that sparks something. And I realize, oh, that's why they're getting hung up here. Now I can bring a piece of awareness and help transfer it to them. Now they have awareness and understanding and then teach them a way to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Now that's how I do it in the moment. In terms of how I work with people, let's say I, I had a, co- a cohort, uh, uh, high potentials, man- young managers going through a learning cohort. I start with a social styles tool. Uh, DISC is one of them. As Jeff pointed out, DISC, I've coached to DISC. DISC can be very effective. Their new longer report is is quite useful. I use a different instrument just because it meshes better with my others. I start with a social styles model called interaction styles. People can get a four quadrant model and that starts with the very basics, how we like to do work Mm -hmm. and how we need to be communicated with. And people can go a very long way And then what's best to do is have them learn together, have them do exercises together and then coach them and even be present in some team meetings and help them apply it. So the model is you teach them as little uh, theory as possible to give them something to work with and move forward with. And then you coach them as they use it. The next place I take them to is understanding core motivators. And the, the tool I use there is modern temperament theory. Okay. Because understanding, and there are four models there, and this goes back to the Greek. So this is over 2,000 years old uh, about what's driving people. And when, when people hear that model, they go, oh, my God, I so get that, too. And then the last thing I do with people is uh, I do Myers-Briggs, which is very valuable, and I do the extended report. That said, I mean, I'm a master practitioner, okay? I'm all over Myers-Briggs. I don't <laughs> start there. That's 16 types. That's overwhelming to people. It's overwhelming. So I start with models that can be more quickly absorbed and applied. And then I move to a model that helps you go really deep. Gotcha. I, also, I also advocate people using Gallup Finder. I use that with all my clients. And the EQI, if you're dealing with a, a leader or somebody moving into management, the EQI is a wonderful assessment. And it comes out with a report 
that you can coach to. Okay, I did very well here. What are some action steps I can take to to bolster my effectiveness in this arena of emotional intelligence? Now, the EQI, is that emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Instrument. The I stands for instrument. There, there are others. That was the one I was uh, qualified in. It just, okay. It's very... It's just very eye-opening when you first approach something like that. Yeah. People, how people fail, how leaders fail, there's studies, numerous studies on this. Only 10% of leaders fail because of technical knowledge. (laughs) Seriously, it's 10%. And what do we spend most of our time doing is training people technically. Yes. Most of the failures that happen at high levels in companies, they're all due to emotional, lack of emotional intelligence. Uh, uh, IQ does not correlate with success in the in the working world, and your scores on on different te- uh, tests, uh, like the ACT tests and those things, there's no correlation between your IQ and how you scored on tests and what grade you made. The correlation is with your emotional intelligence. That's been shown over and over. And what what did we're just now what in the past twenty years learning to invest in that. <laughs> They actually used to call it soft skills, like, you know, this is just wah-wah stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the hardest thing you can do. It is. It's get down the soft skills. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And helping leaders connect that to the bottom line. Like Jeff, Jeff got a wonderful example of his awareness and, and yeah. a working situation he was in. Helping leaders get it that this is not about being warm and fuzzy. There's nothing woo-woo about this. There's loads of data and research behind things like the instruments like this. And it has a real impact on the bottom line. That's, that's where, Jeff, I think we can help overcome leaders' resistance is, is you know, let's face it, I'm, I'm a warm and fuzzy person, right? I've, I've just got that against me starting off walking in the room. So I've had to learn. I don't think that's pres- a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're open to it, Craig. But I, had, I worked at a software company. I had to learn to tone down warm and fuzzy oh. and bump up talking about the reliability uh, statistics and talk about 40 years of data on this yeah. and talk about the connection between emotional intelligence and bottom line and effectiveness. Think about it, I'm speaking their language. It's mostly analytical people who are in charge in arenas like that. So I have to learn to speak their language. It's not about being nice. It's about being effective. My only comment on that, it was interesting. You brought up soft skills because <laughs> I, I just have stepped right into that. And I tend to just call it out because people will say, so how is that soft leadership working? And I said, <laughs> I, I don't do what I want to do. But I, I actually, it's interesting because I went and did some research, not a lot, but I tried to find out who came up, who created the phrase soft skills. <laughs> and what I found is there's no attribution <laughs> and something with that much cachet, you'd think someone would claim it, but I don't think they do. I told, I tell audiences, I want to find out who it was. I want to go to their house because I think that phrase did more of a disservice to leadership in this country than any other phrase in the last 30 years. Because people sit in a meeting and say, hey, what are we going to invest in? Hard hard skills or soft skills? Well, that's a tough one. (laughs) Well, which one is going to have the better return? Well, surprisingly, it's the soft skills. (laughs) Well, soft skills are the only one with a multiplier in return. Hard yeah. skills is a one-to-one return. Right. If you get someone a little, little better at a hard skill, they got a little better, it's incremental. 
Soft skills is the multiplier effect, not hard skills. Because that's that's leadership. That's where you get multiple yeah. people doing. That's right. So one question to clarify in here, do we need to mention the four interaction styles here? It seemed like that was missing from the conversation. I mentioned two of them. I mentioned in charge, in charge. The, oh, I mentioned three of them. I mentioned in charge, which is the fast okay. pace, make decisions move. I mentioned the chart, the course. They're not project management. That's not the only thing they do, but that's the easiest way to get the image in your mind. Chart the course, plan the work, work the plan. If you fail the plan, you plan to fail. That's chart okay. the course. And that's an introverted, more slow moving style. Slow moving because the way it goes about it takes more time. Mm-hmm. The other introverted, really organic, has to gel styles called behind the scenes. We talked mm-hmm. about that style. Yep. Uh, oddly enough, it's a lot of support staff. But a lot of research scientists are behind the scenes. Think mm-hmm. about it. Introverted, sure. analytical, putting it all together. That's a classic profile for someone doing research. That's why Craig and some of the, you know, when the, the R&D company was a global software company I worked in, we didn't just have people doing frontline programming, programming payroll. We had people designing software, new software packages and systems. So we had the chart, the course, commit to it, and we had think the big thoughts, think it through, design it, folks. And and those were the ones, you know, we're about to strangle each other. The fourth style, Craig, I did not mention, is called Get Things Going. Mm-hmm. But I am the embodiment of Get Things Going. <laughs> and I did, and I did tell a story about how my Get Things Going self learned how to slow down, get linear, and move forward in a more logical, linear way so that I could build trust with people who saw me because get things going, if that's not your style, it not doesn't embody trust from people who have different styles. So you mm-hmm. learn to speak their language. And my happiness and the, the positive parts of my career path were I learned to speak the other language. That's one reason I do what I do. It took me from miserable to getting more wonderful, fabulous work to do. So I'm going to, until the day before I put my foot in the grave, Craig, I'm going to be telling people about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So, Carol, we always ask our guests, they get a little advance notice, which is the only thing they see coming of some (laughs) questions we love. (laughs) The rest is all a surprise. Surprise, come out of the box. It was wonderful because I'm getting things going, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So one of the questions that uh, you wanted to comment on is, we're all voracious readers here. We're lifelong learners, but what's that book that jumps out to you? This, you said to someone, you need this book to really enhance your leadership impact. What is that? Well, I have two answers here. The first answer is I would really like them to read something about the neuroscience of leadership. Hmm. That said, all the books I know about, you have to geek out to do. <laughs> and I know that I live and breathe this stuff, but I try not to force my geekiness on my clients. So I'm just going to say I'm waiting for a user-friendly, for let's say normal people book on the neuroscience of leadership because helping analytical people see that this is not about warm, fuzzy feelings. This is about neurology. This is huge for getting buy-in and credibility. The thing I can advise, and let me get the book. Now, Craig, I hope I've known you a long time, and I hope you're not disappointed in me here because I'm going old school, but there's a very good reason. I'm going to Covey in The Seven Habits. And the reason I am the tie-in with what we're talking about is is 
all about sharpening the saw and developing yourself and also making space for the differences. Now, I read this in Covey, but 20 years ago, I got to hear him in person at the Carolina Theater, and I will never forget him saying this. He's talking about being in a meeting room and somebody disagrees with him. Now, we all know the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, great, now this is really going to eat up time. If you just saw it my way, this would be more efficient. And Covey says, instead, and this is a choice, this is a much emotionally mature choice to make. Instead of the knee-jerk reaction, Covey taught himself to go, oh, that's interesting. You see it differently. Help me understand how you see it. Mm. Wow. Not only is that incredible. Now, on our best days, we can do that. Guys, I'm not always at my best, okay? <laughs> and these are very stressful times. So sometimes I have to think inside my head, oh, great, they don't see it. <laughs> but then I rise to the occasion, I remember Covey, and on our best days, we can do that. Think about the stress level now. That's a, a stress level is coming from all angles now. We've always had stress at work, but it's coming from all angles now. And the book, actually, Jeff, I can rec recommend that I think is user-friendly enough is The Stress Effect. And this is not just to talk about stress. This is to talk about the, the effect stress has on our the clarity of our thinking and how we go wrong and how things go downhill very quickly if we don't manage the stress. Because we walk around with stress this high all the time, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, boom, it goes up here. And now we're off and running and everything goes to hell in a handbasket very quickly. Well, Dr. Dick Thompson is not only a former Army Ranger and Dean of the Military Academy at Athens University of Georgia, for 30 years, he's, he's a PhD psychologist, for 30 years, he's run a consulting company. And during 2008, I watched a lot of my peers' companies go away. Mm because they did not have changed with the time. Well, Dr. Dick Thompson got his company through that and didn't have to lay anybody off and developed a whole new service line of helping people screen high-level uh, hires, and they were prospering during a downtime. So not only is he a brilliant psychologist, he's a real businessman. So mm -hmm. I feel like he should have some street cred with the kind of people you consult with. Well, That's now awesome. one one book that I think you probably intentionally left out, but I think should be included is one that actually helps people to connect the dots, just like what we were talking about. And that's your book. And I see several of them behind you there. <laughs> oh, Craig this, is, Craig, this book is for people. This is for, I mean, yes, there's, there's interesting stuff in here, but this is for job seekers. This is the book I oh, wrote okay. out of my 10 years of volunteering with job seekers. <laughs> All right. Fantastic, Carl. One of the other questions you highlighted was, we all have nuggets to share. And <laughs> I could go for days. We could all go for days. But what's that nugget of wisdom, if I forced you, as I am right here, yeah. to pull one out to help yeah. people really amp up their leadership impact? Learning about, I, I can't overemphasize how this, at 34, there was this huge change in my life. And it was learning about these different filters through which to see and understand people to be more effective with them. Mm. It changed my life. Not only did it help me uh, amp up the path in my corporate career and get me raises and promotions, but most importantly, really challenging, valuable work that I loved. The second thing is coming to understand how different we are and that it, nobody's trying to stomp on you. They're just more forceful personality maybe than you are. 
learning how people are different and applying it saved my relationship with my mother. Mm-hmm. I will always, I will, I will never stop teaching this. It just <laughs> changed my life too much. So one of the most valuable things a leader can do for themselves is amp up their understanding of how people are different so they can speak effectively to people and get the best out of people. I love that one. I, yeah. I love that one, particularly because it's about the other. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what leadership is about. It's not about my way. It's what's the, if I want to communicate, I need to communicate your way, not mine. Mm-hmm. I love the other focus. So thank you for all of that, Carol. Is there anything we always ask our guests, is there anything going on that you want to highlight for us or promote or give some extra focus to going on in your business or your world? Oh, sir, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. Yes, the, the new wing of my business, my business is effective with people and, you know, uh, effective uh, people who play well with others are more effective. And the training arm of my business is Sandbox Academy. And I offer both for people's convenience. I, I have had three camera shoots of live classes. So I have video training and I tried to give, I can't duplicate not being in the room and having experience with the other learners because that really, with the adult ed, having the experience with the other people in the room really amps up the learning. But for people's convenience, I've got video recordings of my trainings. I also, in September, I'm going to start doing live classes, learning cohorts of professionals, because not only do they get access to me and we have exchange and they have a chance to dialogue with each other during the week, a learning cohort is a really valuable thing for professionals to have. You cannot ferret it all out yourself. You cannot find all the answers. But if you, I mean, yep. Craig, I've participated in groups Craig has led, um, mastermind groups, but knowing other professionals, especially ones with different skill sets and communication styles, but knowing other professionals, you will learn so much more and you will move faster so much more in your career if you've got the value of having people around you. So this fall, I start the live, not just the video training, but the live training to get people together to form a learning community. Oh, that's great. That is fan- I, want, I love it. I love it. So, Carol, um, how do people find out about the Sandbox Academy, and also how do they connect with you if they want to do that? I suggest they connect with me through LinkedIn. That's probably the most efficient way because my email address is this long, so going through LinkedIn is very <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Effective, uh, www.effectivewithpeople.com is my primary website, and I can uh, get them connected to see what kind of training they'd like to have. Well, we will put all of that in the show notes as well. So thank you, Carol. Thanks for being with us. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every minute. It was an honor. I enjoyed you guys. Always love having you, Carol. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. 
To find out more, go to cardivera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.